Wow. Easy room there with the Jimbo Fisher jokes. Who is that? Feinbaum? At the Little Rock Touchdown Club. Mm. It's a pretty Boy. good joke. I'll give it up to uh, Feinbaum. The Little Rock Touchdown Club has had quite a few big guests here they, recently. Yeah, they've done that for years. They had, uh, what, Coach O last week. They get a well, – I don't they've know. They've had three. Who else did they have? Who'd they have last week? You know who I, – I don't think it was him. Well, they had Coach O last week, and I'm trying to figure out who it was. Was it Mullen week. before that? Or? Yeah, maybe so. They've had Bobby Petrino there before, like after the whole Arkansas situation, which he is nice. back in Fayetteville this week. That was pretty well done there by Feinbaum. Mm. Mm, I love that. Decent timing there by Feinbaum with the uh, with the comedy. Not bad. See what his buyout is, by the way. I, everyone knows it's really high, but did you see like in the no. range that it's in? <laughs> um, no coach has ever had a buyout north of fifty million dollars, and there's been some just incredibly dumb decisions that have been made buyout wise in college football. But nobody's had north uh, of a fifty million dollar buyout. His is ninety five point six million currently. Oh, uh, and one of the few places dumb enough to pay it would be Texas A and M. Yep, and Auburn. Those are the only two places that would do it. They would. They would. A and M would do it. Who would they try and hire? I, I, I don't even know. Um, who has had? Well, here's. I, I don't know. Urban Meyer. Yeah, uh, what I was going to go with, Urban Meyer is definitely the case. Who I was going to try to go with is they had like one to two years of flash in the pan of success, but everything else around their career has been mediocrity. I'm trying to figure out who who that is that's that's in college football right now. There's a Kurt Ferentz joke out there somewhere, but I don't think A&M would even (laughs) stoop that low at this point. Yeah, that's crazy, 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 which – I don't even know. What's the fan base saying? I know what everyone else across the country is saying, but is he even facing any pressure at all internally with the, within the own – No. With their fan base? I mean, with the fan base, sure, but it's not realistic when you have a $95 million buyout this year. You kidding me? Oh, Tyler, Tyler, Tyler. You've got to know these things a little bit better by now. All it takes – you remember what was the big controversy this off season? Well, it was he and Saban. All right, and, and what was what was it about? What was it about? Well, hey, hey, he said that we paid for players. I guarantee you, we didn't play for one player here at Texas A and M. Well, what it was about? Okay, that's exactly right. And all they have to do, if it occurred, is find any little tiny bit of impropriety in how they handled that NIL situation and you could be fired with cause. Well, okay, so his buyout will only be $60 million instead of 95 and a half. Nebraska be tri- zero. Nebraska tried to do the same thing with Scott Frost. They tried to sabotage his career last year, yet they're still on the hook for $15 million of buyout money. Well, they didn't they didn't fire him I, I'm with saying cause. they at least tried to though. Right. That's what I'm saying is like if if you want to get really dirty politically in some of these things, the, the folks that know where the, the bodies are buried down there, 
I that is how they get out of that situation. But, if you start to see any leaks about anything that's happened about that, boy, get ready for what's coming. There is a real situation where A and M, who started off the preseason in the top ten, which was just totally dumb, and it was based on one win that they had last year against Alabama. We talked all off season about how overrated A and M was. Okay, there's a real situation where they start the season one and five. They've got Miami at home this week, who everyone is picking that as their upset pick. They got to play. That. They got to play Arkansas in Arlington. Arkansas is a better football team than they are. In, it's not close, right? Then now. they got to go to Mississippi State. Who Mississippi State? They had a. I mean, I'm not going to call a win at Arizona nice, but they've looked good so far through two games. And then they've got to go to Alabama. They got to go to Tuscaloosa to play Bama. They're not going to beat Bama. They're not going to beat Arkansas. So they've got those two losses coming. The Miami thing, dadgummit, every single person in the country is picking that upset right now. I I picked it. It makes me nervous about it. Yeah, and we know how that goes. Whenever everyone picks one side of something, it just – it's too easy, right? But – This is A&M that we're talking about, though. That's what makes me feel a little bit better. It's A&M. It's a big opportunity for Miami. And – all that has to happen, there's going to be a full crowd there. And it doesn't have to go very, very bad at all. Like, you go three and out in your first series, here it comes. You know, if you're A&M in your own own stadium. It, it's going to be – this is one of those games you wish was on the road uh, whenever you're the home team. So, we'll see. Well, especially at Miami, there'd be nobody there. Yeah. You'd be p- playing in front of 15,000 fans at Hard Rock Stadium or whatever it's called now. Landshark Stadium is what it used to be. Joe Robbie Stadium, Pro Player Stadium. I feel like that place changes the stadium name every two years. Will the will like the starter jackets ever come back in style? Yeah, I think that they somewhat are now. If you could, really, but they're like three hundred dollars. That's why. Well, that's how much. Well, they may not have been three hundred dollars back in the day. But in the they J.C. Were, Penny catalog, I feel like they were one forty nine ninety nine. Which at that point was three hundred dollars. It was three hundred dollars or more. Um, my dad would be like, eighty bucks for a jacket. You're gonna wear it till you graduate college. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see with a And M. They're pressure-packed. I can't wait to hear, um, after they lose to Miami, what Jimbo says about them, like how awesome of a team Miami is. Oh, they're great. You know, I think this could rival that 0-1 team that they had there. Um, they got just enough speed. Up NFL talent, hell, it's all over the field there, right there. Uh, they got God coaching over there on the sideline. He's pretty good. He know what uh, play we're running. I mean, uh, hell, that's every bit as good as that 2001 team they had out there. Is that accurate? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's accurate. I don't know why I feel like Jimbo Fisher says, oh, hell, uh, quite a bit. It fits. I don't know if I've actually ever heard him say it, but it fits perfectly. Uh, Yeah, he's going to have, before the end of the non-conference, he's going to have Appalachian State and the University of Miami both uh, with the ability to win the SEC. Hell, I can see them in the playoff playing each other. (laughs) Out there in Atlanta. They win the SEC. App State, Miami. Hey, that year. place, that'll be a tough ticket for between those two fan bases. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll get into some of the uh, potential upset matchups coming up next segment. Just to go back to OU Nebraska real quick. The ESPN FPI, which we always value when it comes to uh, matchups, 75.3% chance to win 
that's what OU has on Saturday, according to the ESPN Football Power Index. Where does Nebraska have the edge in this game, if anywhere? Do, do they have any sort of edge on Saturday? No. No. I mean, statistically, they've got the edge on offense. But, you know, they've turned the ball over. We, ha- we still haven't turned the ball over, right? Um, you know, that's a, that's a pretty big factor. Home field, like, I don't even know if home field is an advantage. I think that OU typically plays really well in big games on the road. And even though Nebraska is one and two right now, I, you still have to consider this a big game. So I don't even think I would consider that an advantage. And they're going to have it's somewhat like A&M. They're going to have an angry fan base there. Now, they won't boo like I'm guessing A&M will. They'll just sit there silently like they did in that Ohio State game a couple years ago. <laughs> it, just, it just took it for four quarters and didn't say anything? Just sat there and watched oh my it gosh. dead You know silence. what? I wish you wouldn't have said that because it does remind me of something. My biggest fan pet peeve is going to happen this weekend, and I just now realized it. God, and I've experienced it before in Boulder, Colorado, Waco, Texas, Manhattan, Kansas. For some reason, I've experienced this a lot Mm -hmm. for OU road games, but we're definitely going to hear all weekend, hey, welcome to Lincoln. Take it easy on us now, will you? Just make sure you take it easy on us. Hey, don't beat us too bad. Don't beat us too bad. I hate, I've told you this before, I hate when opposing fans do that. Didn't they do that last year when they came here, Nebraska fans? Yes. Hey, it's good to be in Norman. Hey, we ain't that good, though. Take it easy on us now. Hopefully we'll get back, but take it easy on us today. Don't embarrass us too bad. We're just here Every for the swirls. Every time that happens, I look up with four minutes left in the fourth quarter and OU's, like, down a possession or has a touchdown lead. God, please. Well, but that's been the last three years of OU football. Pretty much. Pretty much, but I also heard it in 2003 in Boulder, Colorado, when you guys messed around and tried to lose that game. Ah, we just wanted to uh, rile up the locals there. I think it took us a while to get acclimated to the... The altitude? The altitude and the marijuana. Yeah, there was some secondary (laughs) high going on somewhere around the third quarter. Uh, Easy now. Y'all said Texas had no edge anywhere, and they played Bama to within a point. Don't get too carried away about Nebraska not having an edge. Obviously joking. No, but it's true. And I would also say today, if Alabama and the University of Texas were playing a football game, that Texas would have no advantage anywhere in that game. I'm sorry. That's my take on it. It may be incredibly wrong, but that's how I – that's how I evaluate that game. And right now, it's hard to evaluate Nebraska any different. They're giving up 500 yards a game defensively. They've turned the ball over multiple times. They just lost to a Sun Belt team. They can't kick a field goal. The, what, what are they? One for four. One for four oh, kicking yeah. field goals. Uh, they got totally pushed around and whipped on the on the line of scrimmage by Northwestern. Now, I'm not saying that they don't have a chance to to fight us tooth and nail and and have an opportunity to win the ball game late. 
I'm not even saying they don't have a chance to just mow right over the top of us. I, this is a, as I'm reading the text right now, this is a desperate team. I agree. Yeah, their edge is they are a desperate football team. 903 area code. But that is only an edge if you allow it to be. Typically, desperation is not a great way. It's not, unless you've got a cornered animal, it's not really an advantage. It makes you do things out of your comfort zone, be too aggressive, take chances where you typically would not take chances. And I, that's a very high risk, high reward situation that if you don't pull it out, it ends up making you look way worse. Oh, so like Nathaniel Hackett of the Denver Broncos last night? Is that what you're talking about? No, more like <laughs> more like the onside kick by Scott Frost against Northwestern. Yeah, what, when, when they were up. What were they up at that point? Were they up 14? They were up two scores, I feel like. I think you're right. I think they had just scored to go up 14, perhaps. Nebraska doesn't believe they can win. That's an edge. How's that an edge? If you don't believe you can win, how's that an edge? Mm. That's a pretty important ingredient on Saturday for them to spring the upset is actually believing it can happen. I don't know. Um, I, is it one of those things where you don't believe you can win, you just go out, perform your job, and as the game unfolds, it's like, hey, hey, we're actually in this thing. I don't know. That's the only – that's the only thing I can think of. Um, yeah, I don't they were think up eleven on the onside kick. That's right. Did the Mighty Ducks actually think they could beat the Sharks? The you you talking about Gordon Bombay's yeah. Mighty Ducks? They played the Sharks, or are you talking about Team Iceland? I think no, you're talking about Team Iceland. No, 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 no. In the first, the first Mighty Ducks weren't the, the other team. The black team was the Sharks, right? Um, yeah, I don't know if it was the Sharks who. I'm pretty sure it's the Sharks. I know it was the coach that he played for when he was growing up. Yeah. And yeah, they, it's the guy from um, – Hey, Gordon. Good game. <laughs> I don't feel like he's it was the, the Sharks, though. He's the prosecutor in My Cousin Vinny. Yes. I don't, th- I don't feel like it was the Sharks. I'm – Hawks? No. The Hawks. Yes, that's what it was. It was no. the Hawks. It was the Hawks. Yes, it was. It was the Hawks? It was the Hawks. That's exactly what it was. Yes. The okay. Sharks. Jeez. Yeah, you're real close on that one. Nice try. God, well, it's overwhelmingly coming in Hawks. LOL Hawks. I agree. I am embarrassed, too, about it. Okay, well, whatever. Did the Ducks think they could beat the Hawks? No. Well, they didn't the first time. They got destroyed by them. (laughs) That doesn't matter. Until you hit them with the one, two, three, triple deke. You know? needed Charlie Conway in there to save the day. Thank God he did. He should have grabbed his eye and went down when he was in the corner. And Adam though. Banks, who got hurt in the game, right? <laughs> I don't know how we got here, but that's, I'm blaming it on you. It's my fault. Um, anxious to hear Casey Thompson asked to compare 21 and 22 OU defenses. I can't remember who I heard this from um, <laughs> on the station earlier today. It, I think it was – was it Plank saying it? Saying that uh, – somebody here was saying that they heard some – like a, they were listening to a Nebraska podcast – and they think they have the edge at quarterback going into this game. To which I said, whoa, 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 okay. That is quite the accusation. Thinking that Casey Thompson is uh, clearly better than Dylan Gabriel. 
<clears throat> I would take Gabriel. I'm trying to look at this from their perspective. He's been pretty good. He's he's thrown for 866 yards, only four touchdowns and three interceptions. He's added a little bit in the running game, uh, not huge yardage wise, but he does have four touchdowns in the in the running game. I don't know. I think that that's a that's a hard sell for me. That's a really like just big trying stretch. to outright convince me that he's better. Um, I, know I know you that. can't always go about it this way, but I mean, the guy was on a five and seven football team last year, and he's on a one and two football team this year. Yeah, that's that's I I can't get behind that one. Yeah, that's I think that's that's a bit too much. But of a stretch. in in the list of many things that have to happen on Saturday, I mean, yeah, Casey Thompson is going to have to be better than uh, Dylan Gabriel on Saturday. But God, he was Casey Thompson was better than OU at quarterback last year, and that didn't matter. Um, you could make the argument that they're better at running back. They're pretty good. That Grant kid is yeah. He he is he is a really nice player. Which really I guess Brent Venables they they tried to recruit him to Clemson. I think is what he was yeah, saying and, earlier today. Well, and he went to Florida State, and, and then, then went to JUCO after that. And now he's at Nebraska, I think. Yeah, they've got, I they've got two receivers, Trey Palmer and Marcus Washington. Marcus Washington's a Texas transfer. He had a pretty good game against Kansas last year. He like looks the part, but outside of those two guys, not much to really talk about at wide receiver for them. Yeah. So they, they have a couple of playmakers on offense, but I just nothing to be terrified about. I just watched uh Anthony Grant on a forty six yard touchdown run away from uh some guys, which He's not slow like Eric Gray. Yet to be saying? determined if we've got a back with breakaway speed, so no, in all seriousness, but here's the thing: like you don't, you don't just say, right? You you've got the edge. At let's say Anthony Grant is the same exact player as Eric Gray. We would have the edge at running back, no doubt. Not why? Close. Because their defense is giving up 500 yards a game right now, and a ton of points. So even though we have the same exact person running the ball on both teams, we would have the we would still have the edge at running back because we're playing against a more porous defense. So there you go. All right, quick timeout. Gonna hit some uh some upset opportunities across I, the country. Look, it does not look like a sexy slate of games. I'm just wondering if OU fans are gonna have a Really fun, really nice night watching some college football this weekend, even though the slate doesn't look all that glamorous. I feel like it happens like every every year there's a week where we say, ah, there's no real good games this week, and it turns into like just a it wild be, weekend. Well, that was week two, that last Saturday, yeah. but I think this, this week could be the same way. Yeah. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two rolls on next.
The Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you hour number two of the rush. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, we're inside the Brown O'Haver Studios. There's Ted Roof saying that, uh, yeah, he thought his defense was disruptive after game two. They got to be feeling somewhat good about themselves going into this matchup. But uh, hmm. Brent Venables today, is this the nicest thing that he could say about a current player on the roster? He said this about Marvin Mims. He said, quote, he epitomizes what you want the Oklahoma football player to look like. Yeah. That's the, the nicest thing that he could have said about Marvin Mims, right? Absolutely. I, I totally agree. That's, that is the ultimate compliment a coach can, can say to or about a player. It's kind of the, if we just had 100 guys just like this, we'd never lose a game statement, you know? And – it would be nice if they had 100 players they could just throw a deep ball to and know that they're going to come down with it for a touchdown. So, yeah, I do agree pew, with that. Pew, pew, pew. Just yeah. throwing it all over the place? Yeah. A- every drive for the rest of the year would look like they've uh, looked like to start the year. Five plays in a minute 17. Six plays in a minute 48. Two plays in 30 seconds. 11 plays in four minutes. Ten plays in two minutes and 40 seconds. Seven plays in a minute 51. Five plays in 52 Mm. seconds. Eight plays in two minutes and 13 seconds. Four plays in 58 seconds. Three plays in 33 seconds. There's your ten touchdown drives this year. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Uh, Hey, play the highlight of the Mims touchdown right before halftime against Kent State. Oh, the the TV copy? Oh, yeah. Mm. I forgot. We can't play any of the highlights to the OU football games on this station. Probably the only station on the planet that can't play the highlights. And the voice of the Sooners is the morning show host. Ridiculous. As I said earlier, if they were playing the highlights, we're playing the scene setter, all the other stuff that we play on this show, maybe I could see it. Mm-hmm. But again, that actually takes some effort and some preparing, and that's not going on over there. So I don't understand why that's an issue. But the ref army is on the offensive as we speak. So right, it's all good. Uh, yeah, this weekend, man, Texas is – Sark today said they're having to fight against rat poison. He used the old phrase from his old head coach. Texas is actually Texas head coach is actually saying we've got to fight back the rat poison of everyone telling us how good we are because everyone was telling us how bad we are last week. The right. moral victory that we were making fun of them for, it's it's in full effect right now. And yeah, I doubt Texas' ability to come back this week against UTSA. Bijan Robinson's beat up, Hudson Card's beat up, Quinn Ewers is not going to play. This is a prime spot for Texas to be in a football game late in the fourth quarter against the Roadrunners at home. What's the spread in that football game? It opened at like 14. I think it's down to around 11 and a half. Yeah. Uh, 11 on... Scores and odds? No, that's on the ESPN, just the mm-hmm. little the game, game cast site. Uh, yeah. University of Texas San Antonio is not to be trifled with it is a really good offense a good good football team coached well they've got some players there so it's it it's an interesting little predicament in in texas and this is what we have not seen we have not seen texas piece together anything of significance there's been games onesie twosie here and there where they've performed well and you say hey 
this this Texas team, they may be legit, and then no, not the case. Uh, last year it happened early on. Um, you know, they beat the top 25 Louisiana to start off the season and then uh, went to Arkansas, got absolutely walloped. But then they won their next three games and did so in impressive fashion. Throttled Rice, uh, scored 70 on Texas Tech. Finally, after what, five straight losses, they beat TCU? Yeah. And they're up on Oklahoma big. It's like, this Texas team is for real. And then they rattle off six straight losses. It's like the first time they've lost six straight in 60 years or something. And the only reason they were 5-7 and seven instead of 4-8 and eight is because they were able to face the worst backup quarterback in college football history. God, the, yeah. the uh, <laughs> Sorry, K-State. Yeah, what's his name Will again? Howard, is uh, that it? I feel bad for the kid. Yeah. And they beat him 22-17. Um, I think OU Which, fans. Not to put the, the cart ahead of the horse here, but Kansas State is going to be a problem yes, this they year, are. buddy. Yeah, they are. Man. Um, OU fans could have an enjoyable Saturday watching college football. I think the Texas game is going to be close. I'm picking Miami to beat A&M. And how about the USC-Fresno game this Saturday? Now, I think that this is a really interesting spot for USC coming into this game. Now, I'm going to use OU as a little bit of an example here. Okay. In an odd way, it makes me feel a little bit better about OU's chances on Saturday with the fact that they played so poorly in the first half, and there's been some things that they clearly need to do better. And why I say that is they didn't just destroy their first two opponents, and you don't have to worry about this team at all going in thinking like, (laughs) dude, we've got it made. This is a bad football team. We've been pretty close to perfect the first two games. Like, we're, we're, we're good here. We, I mean, we can get better, but, you know, we've looked pretty good so far the first two games. That's mm-hmm. not the case with OU. I think there's some urgency this week to get uh, a lot better in a short amount of time. I wonder what the vibe is at USC right now because they pummeled Rice and right. they pummeled Stanford. Do they have the feeling going into this game against Fresno where, yeah, everyone was right, we're pretty good. And we'll probably show it again this week against a team like Fresno, who's not even a Power Five team. That's a all good questions. Uh, and Fresno is—they're actually a fairly salty football team. Spread is twelve. Um, they've scored pretty well. Uh, Fresno has. They lost to Oregon State. Now, Oregon State's not. They're, they're not what they were five, four, yeah, five years ago. They're th- a lot better. This is not your like one win Oregon State team. They're, they're actually playing some pretty good football and have improved quite a bit. And they played them 35 32, which is tough. Uh, I didn't get to see any of the Stanford game. I know USC gave up 28, but is that like late? It was late, late yeah. yeah. When I walked into Yo Pablo for the po- for the postgame show, I feel like the score was like 41-14. It was like, yeah. oh, wow. Yeah, dang. they scored okay. 14 in the fourth, uh, Stanford did. So they scored 14 against the, the second and third team. I don't know. I I just – I don't think this is the – I don't think this is the place – I think you, uh, USC's offense is going to be probably too good, but the place is next week if it's not this week at Oregon State. That that'll be a really tough game for USC. Yeah, 
Fresno, they whip it around though. Their quarterback is thrown for for more yards than than Caleb Williams has. They're putting up a, the same number number of yards. USC's five twenty one a game right now, and Fresno's five twenty. So this is by far the best offense that they faced. Does that mean that they have a chance of losing the football game? Yes. I don't oh, you're, you're, think you're, so. You're, you're going to say no there, but it, Shame. it will probably be the tightest game that they've played so far. Georgia is at South Carolina. Georgia, the number one team in the land. I don't foresee George where Georgia is really good. South Carolina is just not. South Carolina just can't protect the quarterback, man. They they don't have much of an O line. That's what I was about to ask. Didn't uh, did Radler get all tuned up last weekend? Uh, well, South Carolina got tuned up at Arkansas by two scores. I didn't get to see a lot of that game. His final numbers were 24 of 39, huh. one touchdown, one pick. So he's got two touchdowns, three picks so far throughout the first two games. How's the connection with the, uh, what's the big tight end's name? Stogkowski. Yeah. You already forgot about Stogkowski? Listen, if it's not front and center, it takes me a while to go That's, to the file cabinet and find it. I had it. to tell you yesterday that OU Kansas State was at 7 p.m., five hours after it was announced. No, well, hang on a second. That was never even in the file cabinet. I had never seen that announcement, so that's not my fault. had five catches for 68 yards. Okay, there you go. Big piece of the offense. That's not a bad fantasy day for a tight end. Um, this is just not a great, a glamorous lineup. BYU at Oregon at 2.30, okay, that could be interesting. Penn State at Auburn could be a fun game on the Plains. but I'll, I'll, give, you, uh, I'll give you the upset game right here. Betrino at Arkansas? Nope. Houston hosting Kansas. KU's going to go down there and win, huh? Yeah. I hope so. I'm telling you, man. I hope so. I'm telling you, different football team, if they can protect the Daniels kid at quarterback, they're they're going to be they're going to be pretty salty. This is the first time in 10 years that you do a Big 12 power poll and they're not at number 10 on the list. That's West Virginia now. West Virginia's at number 10. First time in 10 years that KU's out of the cellar in the conference. It's the first time in 10 years we've ever done a 10-spot power poll. We always just did nine spots. And then Kansas (laughs) at 10, you know, but one through nine. Someone asked on Saturday night, like, whoa, KU won at West Virginia. Golly, when's the last time they won a uh, conference? Oh, yeah, they won at Texas last year. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) But since before that, it was 10 years, right? Yeah, well. Yeah. All right. Uh, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll hit some things that caught my eye next. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. We call this segment What Caught Teddy's Eye. Let's get to it. Story number one is. First of all, quick shout out to our friends over at Rooftech. A former teammate of mine, Josh Tucker, runs the business over there, can handle any of your roofing needs. Um, I thought this was fascinating. Mm. A veteran's nursing home in Taiwan forced to apologize after hiring strippers <laughs> to celebrate a fall festival uh, in Taiwan. Oh gosh. <laughs> Is Bill Self a partner in that by chance? Because uh, he basically hired strippers for a uh, Midnight Madness thing a, f- a few years ago. There's 
there's video and pictures and everything, and it's just as you would imagine. Um, a bunch of uh, nursing home wheelchair bound old gentlemen and yeah, strippers. Uh, it's a great funny. recruiting tool, I would say. <laughs> oh, it's like. You take that to your kids and say, listen, kids, uh, I know there's been discussions going on about where you're sending uh, sending dad. I just want to throw a couple options your way. <laughs> and what do you think of the forced to apologize? Come on. They're veterans in a nursing home. Does anyone really need to apologize? Come on. It's not like they're, they're children. I just, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was hilarious. Can you imagine? Hey, surprised guys. <laughs> hilarious. Um, I, I thought this was interesting. Iowa is taking a lot of heat for sticking with uh, Petrus at quarterback. He is completing 45% of his passes, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, um, I kind of hate it for the kid that he's catching all of the he's catching all of the heat for this when in reality Iowa hasn't had a good offense or a good quarterback since Brad Banks in 2002 in 20 years. Yeah, there you go. Um all combined one of mine with one of yours through two games Iowa has 16 punts and 14 mm. total points. Iowa is the only team in college football with more punts than points so far this season. 16 punts, 14 points, and only one touchdown. Well, yeah, well, not all of those points are <laughs> are offensive, uh, which is pretty crazy. You think um, you think the offensive coordinator keeps it in the uh, the family business? Um, there's going to be a lot of pressure by old Kirk Ferentz to uh, remove his son as the OC. And unfortunately, uh, someone did a cameo request to Bob Stoops. It was an Iowa fan, and they made it to where Bob didn't know who they were referencing. But, yeah, that's been an internet joke today. Pretty wild. It's it's funny. Unfortunately, they they drug Coach Stoops into the into the situation, and he's. I'm guessing either he's he had to already, or at some point is probably going to have to make a call to uh, yeah. to Coach Ferentz. Like, should we <laughs> should we play it? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the situation is Kirk Ferentz been in Iowa since uh, what 1938 was his first season there. <laughs> right. He's hired his uh, son as the offensive coordinator. The offense is awful. Iowa fans are pissed and. Someone did a cameo request. It, you got something? Yeah, first of all, for those that don't know what cameo is, it's a it's an app where you can you can pay. There's all kinds of famous people on there. You can pay for them to give you like a quick little video shout out. And the way it works is you just kind of send a description of what you want and they they kind of read it or, you know, give you a quick little message as to what you asked them to do. So they sent Coach Stoops a little, hey, would you give this guy a shout-out? He's going through some stuff, and this is what it ended up being.
Oh, man. Iowa fans. Unbelievable. Uh, Coach Stoops, like I said, probably going to have to call uh, Coach Ference about that deal. If it can, Did it blow up big? Like, was there... Teddy, it's gotten so big that they found video of Kirk Ference doing, like, matching Bob's voice with him at the podium and, like, the hand motions make it look like it's actually him saying that. Uh, yes, it's it's blown up. But, hey, Bob still got uh, paid for it, though, right? It's all that matters. Yeah, maybe he'll maybe he'll donate that money to Iowa Athletics. I don't know. But uh, I hate that the drug coach stoops into it. We'll have to ask him about that uh, next time we have him on. And the last one I had, the game last night, Monday Night Football, ends with a bit – of controversy. A bit. Fourth and five. Um, 20 seconds left in the football game. Broncos have timeouts. They decide to not go for it on fourth and five and take the 64-yard opportunity. Field goal just misses. Game is over. This isn't a 64-yard field goal in Denver, by the way. It's not at mile Seattle. high. Yes, it's in Seattle. And Brandon McManus, his career long was like 61. So now, it's not like he had a history of hitting 64-yard field goals. That's true. It'd be I, a, a, and, and I know that he said that's the yard line that I told them that we needed to get to. That's not the point, man. And that the point isn't even if he would have made it. It's like all of your off-season hype and your hope and your aspirations were centered around a quarterback that you made a massive trade to and spent all this money. And on fourth and five with the game on the line, you're gonna you're gonna kick it instead. God, it's an awful look, man. It's, and the clock management on that play was terrible too, by the way. Well, kinda. Now, you want me to give you the other side of it? I I mean, there is no other side they lost. Right, but the other side of the decision is this: you you have to, the the field goal is a is a fairly low percentage chance, right? But it's probably the same with this kicker as the percentage chance of converting the fourth down. Even with the Hall of Fame quarterback, do you think those numbers stack up? I mean, yeah, that's the point. They hadn't been good all night. They hadn't been good all night offensively. Um, the 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 plays leading up to that one specifically were not going well. It was third and 15 or something like that before they got a 10-yard play off of a great run where they just had to check the ball down. But here's the thing. You can take the opportunity to win the football game right there. You go for it on fourth down, there's a chance you never get anything. But even if you convert it, you still have to kick a really long field goal you you're you're banking on two fair like one low percentage chance and the other one a fairly low percentage chance it's not as bad of a decision to take the opportunity to win the game while you well, have it as I, people make I, it out I don't to know be. if for sure they would have had to settle for a long field goal they had three timeouts but I mean and, and still a decent amount of time anyway right. we, we, we got to hit a break I'll, I'll hit my last one on the other side it's less about the Cappins for Saturday, yeah, it's more about the cool new traditions that the captains for each game get to do, especially for road games. I just found this awesome. out yesterday. It's really, really, really cool. Yeah, cool. Can't wait to hear that. We'll hit a quick timeout, and uh, we'll hit that on the other side. Stay tuned.
It is the rush live on the ref for the homeless suitor fans inside the Brown O'Haver studios today. Tyler McComas and Teddy Lehman. New tradition this year. Different game captains for the most part for each game. The game captains for Nebraska. Uh, you've got Michael Turk, Drake Stoops. You've got Anton Harrison, Billy Bowman, and Danny Stutzman. These guys get um, like a uh, like a red jacket, I guess, uh, every time that they're named captain to wear before the game is – is that, is that how right? the is that how the tradition goes? I thought whenever he announced it, or whenever he he said this to us, like the first time the captains got announced, I thought that he said they're going to rotate captains until they get to championship November, and then in November name permanent captains they name team the, vote after that. Yeah, yeah then they yeah. name the permanent captains, and at that point you get a like a tailored red yeah. red jacket. Which is it's really cool. That is awesome. Yeah, he he said you it's it's a big deal. You want it to be a big thing, which I'm guessing is like, you know, whenever you travel with the team, they're always in suit and tie, and I'm guessing those guys are in the red jackets, and everyone else is in their their standard suits that they wear on the road, which uh, is that's really cool. XFL Arlington team. Bob Stoops, the his football and operations staff has been announced. Maddie McMillan is his director of team ops. You've got Jonathan Hayes as the co-offensive coordinator, along with Chuck Long. Uh, Scott Spurrier is your tight end special teams coach. I don't know much about okay. Scott Spurrier. I don't either. Um, now, Steve Spurrier Jr. Was uh, on the staff. and was he, was he on that first staff? He was on the first staff, and then he came back for, what, just one quick year, I think, didn't he? And he was on staff here, like as a recruiting coordinator, or something yeah, role for I one his year. Son played at Norman North while they were yeah, here. Yeah, and then uh, I don't know what he's was. He was at then. Did he go to South Carolina for a stint? Maybe. Not sure. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We got the final hour next.